Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. I'm so excited today we get to continue our Names of God series. Uh, last week was amazing, right? We, we spoke about how the Lord is our God. And speaking of names of God, I remember a story about a Sunday school teacher. Uh, <laughs> she was in Sunday school. We all know, we, if you've ever attended Sunday school, there's some funny things that can happen in Sunday school, right? Or sometimes you get home and, and you ask your kids, hey, what'd you learn today at Sunday school? They're like, oh, nothing. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. But There was a teacher who, uh, in Sunday school one time, asked her students, does anyone here know the name of God? Does anyone here know the name of God? And and this little boy by the name of Charlie, he was like, ooh, 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 me. I I know the name of God. I I know God's name. And she she said, well, anyone else but Charlie? Does anyone know? Because Charlie was a little know-it-all. Does anyone besides Charlie know the name of God? And so, to her dismay, no one else could answer her. And so Charlie, with every confidence, 100% confidence, said, I know the name of God. And she said, okay, reluctantly, she said, okay, Charlie, go ahead. What is the name of God? And he said, Howard. (laughs) And she said, what? (laughs) Howard? And he said, yeah, yeah, Howard. And she said, no, where did you learn this from? He's like, well, you taught me. You taught me that his name is Howard. And she said, no way, I could not have taught you that his name was Howard. He said, yes, let me show you. I'll pray it for you. Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. (laughs) And that's not a true story, but I just thought that was kind of funny, and I wanted to share that with you, kind of get us settled in, relaxed. I'm so excited, again, to be able to share today's sermon with you. Again, we are talking about the names of God. And you know what? Throughout scripture, God reveals to us, right, who he is and what he is like. I know in my own personal life, God has revealed to himself, God has revealed himself to me in different ways. And I know you in this place can can relate to that as well. And if you can't, that's what we're here for, to, to dig into that, to understand and to know God's names better. You'll notice in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that there are several names that are used for God, such as Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, Emmanuel, you know, God with us, the healer. We call him the provider. He is our shepherd. We call him the Holy One, El Shaddai. He is Abba Father to us, and he is the great I am. You know, it isn't that God has some kind of multiple personality disorder. No, that's not how it is. But but these are descriptive names of God that give us, that help to give us a broad view or a broader view of who he is. And before I continue even further, I just want to make sure that you guys have the sermon notes. If you don't, raise your hand. The usher can get that to you. Um, But these names, and we know that these names work together to tell us all about God's character, about his power, and about his love. So why is it so important that we study this? Why is it so important that we know what the names of God are, right? Why does this matter? I ask myself this, and you may ask yourself this. Why does this matter? Why is it so important that I know God on this level? Proverbs 18.10 tells us, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous run to it and are safe. You see, God wants you to know who he is, and he wants you to have trust in him. He wants you to have that confidence in who he is. He wants you to be able to find that protection and that salvation in his name and in who he is. When our faith is tested or when it feels like our life is falling apart, we can trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. When it feels like everything around us is just crumbling, when it feels like everything around us is just falling apart, like our entire life is just becoming nothing but shambles, we can trust in the name of the Lord. We can run to him because he is our tower, and we can run to him, and he is our protection. Pastor Jim used an illustration of how he is our tower, and usually when cities are attacked, they are besieged, meaning that they are circled from all around, but we don't have to fear that because he is our strong tower. Amen. Amen. This is what Jesus himself said about the name of God, and we can find that in Matthew 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 9, and it says, in this manner, therefore, and I kind of chuckle when I read this now, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not Howard, but hallowed be your name. What does it mean to be hallowed? It means to be sanctified, right? It means to be consecrated, and it means to be whole, to be made holy. And what does it mean to be sanctified and, and uh, sanctified and consecrated? And what does it mean to be made holy? It, it means that his name is to be set apart, not just in our head or in our minds, but also where? In our hearts. We need to know what God teaches about his great name. By the names of God, you know, the series, this, the, what we have named the series, by the names of God, we mean all of the attributes through which he has revealed himself to us. He has revealed, whether it be his power or whether it be his wisdom, I'm so thankful for the wisdom and for the power of God, whether it be his holiness or his justice or his mercy and truth. There's an author by the name of A.W. Tozer. He wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And in this book, he has a quote that says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It is the way we view God, right? It is the way we think of God. It is the way we know him, right? Last week, we spoke about the better God is known, the more he is trusted, right? There are so many who, who, who don't trust God because they don't know him. And that is our prayer here is that people would know God. You know, the more God is trusted, the more we seek him, right? There, there are those of us who, who may not seek God because we, we don't trust him and we don't trust him because we don't fully know him. And it's funny how that's one kind of big circle because the more we know him, the more we seek him, the more we trust him. And we can say that every which way and it all applies. But God has never turned anyone away that seeks him, right? God has never said, not right now, I don't have time for you right now, I'm taking care of this person. He's never said, not right now, I've got bigger matters to take care of. You know, your prayer will have to wait. He has never turned anyone away that seek him and trust in him. Now, the wrong and the idolatrous thoughts of God are full of pride. They are full of of selfishness and can lead to spiritual death. And we can find that in Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 23. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God 
or even give him thanks. How many of us know someone who's like that? Those of you who are watching online, go ahead and you don't have to tag them. Please don't tag them in the comments. But how many of us know those people who, who claim that they know God, right? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I, I know God, but, but yet they don't worship him or give him thanks. And I think the reason why he uses the words worship and give thanks is because those are actions, right? Those are things that can be seen publicly, right? Our public worship, our public thankfulness, you know, and it continues and it says, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So we see time and time again, people have formed God into the image that they have created themselves, right? It becomes something idolatrous. It becomes, you know, when you don't get, when you don't know or understand God fully, you can begin to uh, put your own thoughts into what, how you see God or how you think God is, and that can lead to idolatry. But what is the name of the Lord is my question for you today. And how did God reveal himself to his people throughout history? Well, in this series, we're going to be exploring what God has revealed himself to be and how he is a strong tower for us to run to. And through this series, I mentioned it earlier, we want you to know God more than anything. We want you to know God beyond just an experience in the room. We want you to know God beyond just feeling the presence of God. I mean, if you've ever felt the presence of God before, you know that is it it is. It is an incredible thing, and there is nothing like it, right? But more than that, we also want you to know God, you know, through his word, right? There's also the word of God, right, where he has revealed himself to us. We need to know him in both word and in spirit, amen, or in spirit and in truth. And if you don't look at the way that God has revealed himself through his word, you can end up creating God in your own image, just like we read in the book of Romans, and that leads to idolatry. Last week, Pastor preached an incredible message. You know, the first week one of the Names of God series, we called it the Lord Our God, and he spoke about the supremacy of God, right? And he, we, he spoke about how he is our Lord, and today we are talking about the Alpha, how he is the Alpha and the Omega. And I know if you've been raised in church, if you've grown up in church, you've probably have heard that thrown around left and right. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the, begin he is the beginning and the end. But what does that really mean? And so that's what we're going to uh, talk about today. Isaiah 44, 6 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God beside me. Revelation twenty two thirteen says, I am the Alpha and, and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Amen. So there we have it from the Old Testament, from Isaiah and the Old Testament, all the way to the ends of our Bibles in Revelation chapter 22. We see that God establishes the fact that he indeed is Alpha and Omega. So let me ask you this. What is it that God wants us 
to know about him? Or what is he trying to communicate to us when he says, I am the beginning and the end? That, does that mean he's the beginning? I, I know as human beings, it's kind of hard for us to grasp that, right? He is the beginning and the end. And what is it that God wants us to know about him by telling us that he is the Alpha and Omega? And how does this revelation of God as the beginning and the end impact us? What is, how, what, again, why does it matter, right? And how can this revelation of who God is strengthen our faith, right? How can this revelation of who God is strengthen our relationship with him, right? So God being the Alpha and the, and the Omega means that one, he is self-existent. And if you're following along your notes, you see that that is the first point right there. God is self-existent. Existence, And that means that he exists independently of anything else. There is nothing that caused him to come into existence, right? He is the creator of everything. He is the, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, and the God of gods. There is nothing that caused him to come into existence. And he doesn't depend on anything or anyone to continue existing. Amen? As the Alpha and the Omega, God has always existed. He is the source of life. And not only is he the source of life, but he is the source of all life. And he sustains everything that exists. This is an incredible truth to know about God. But we know sin, right? But sin can warp our view of God. It can distort how we see God. And it can distort the truth about who he is, and that, and one of the lies that the enemy would have us believe, because he is the father of all lies and he is the father of sin, is that if God is self-existent, he's not interested in me. The enemy would have you believe that, that, that God is not interested in you, because he has other matters to take care of. He's not dependent on us, but we are dependent on him, amen, Right? Our enemy wants you to believe that God is indifferent to you and to your existence. The enemy would have us believe that, that God is unknowable to us, that we could never understand him, that we could never know him, that we could never develop a relationship with him, right? That God is too far from us, that he is far away from us, and that he doesn't want to be involved in our lives, or that we are little and we are insignificant. You know, the enemy would have us believe that he is not concerned about us and that we don't matter to him, but that is a lie. And believing the enemy's lies can turn into negative self-talk, and we can become bound by a spirit of hopelessness. We can be bound by a spirit of worthlessness. We can be bound by a spirit of loneliness and depression. And I just want to speak to, to, to you know, I, I'm immediately drawn to, to those who have, we have lost, to those we have lost to, to the spirit of suicide, to the spirit of, of depression. You know, it is, it, it is running rampant now more than ever, you know, and, and, and it is, and the sad thing is, is, and, and I know we've probably heard this or we've, and, and God forbid any of us have ever experienced this before, but if you have, you know, it, is, it isn't until they start asking questions, right? Um, well, when did you first start to notice that he was, you know, going through depression? And sometimes they're surprised. They're like, I didn't even know. 
I never even knew he was going through a struggle. I never, I, I never even knew that they were going through what they were going through, and that that led them to make this decision of of taking their own lives. Right? It is, and 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 I have personally known people who have had a relationship with God and who have fallen so far away because they felt insignificant to him, or because they thought that they no longer mattered to him because of one silly mistake because of the lies that the enemy began to infiltrate their minds with. But Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Right? Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And you see, the truth is that God's self-existence shows how great his mercy is towards us. You know, he doesn't need us to survive. That is true. He doesn't need us to be complete. Yes, that is true. He is the almighty God. But regardless of that, he extends his mercy to us even when we don't deserve it. I know time and time again, I have messed up, but he has extended that grace and he has extended that mercy to me. And I'm so thankful for God. I'm so thankful for the fact that, that, that he extends that to me even when I don't deserve it. He knows as human beings how sinful we are and how sinful we can be, yet he allows us to live. Amen. He actually made a way for us to be saved from that sin, right? And that is mercy. He didn't have to do it. And he is not dependent on us, yes, but it is out of his love for us that he shows that mercy. Amen. It is out of that love for us that he takes a personal concern in us and wants to be a part of our everyday lives. I don't know about you, but I feel good when someone checks in on me. Hey, how are you doing? How's everything going? How's the family? As a matter of fact, my friend, I, I, I forgot your name, but as, as we were talking out there, he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And I could tell and I could feel that sincerity in that question when he asked me how I was doing. And God is that same way. He wants to know how you are doing. He wants to know those internal struggles that you are dealing with. He wants you to bring those to him. Again, he is concerned for us and he wants to be a part of our everyday lives. And how do we do that? We do that by bringing those requests to him in prayer. Amen. Understanding God's self-existence shouldn't make us feel insignificant. No, it, it shouldn't do that. As a matter of fact, it should strengthen our faith. Amen. Don't believe the lies of the enemy and don't let sin distort your view of God. That's what the enemy would that's exactly what the enemy would want to happen. We don't need to worry that God's going to disappear on us or, or, or fail us. I know there, have, there are some of us in here today where we've had someone very significant in our lives just walk out, right? We've had someone in our lives who have, who have failed us. We've had people time and time again fail us, right? Hurt us, but God won't do that. He has proven time and time again how faithful he is, and we can trust that he will always be there. For us, Deuteronomy 31.8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally, everyone say personally, personally, go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So we see that word personally. He is involved on a personal level, right? Exodus 3.14, we see that God says to Moses, I am 
who I am. That means that God always was and he always will be. We know that he is the Alpha and Omega, yes, but we know that he was faithful then, he is faithful now, and he will be faithful tomorrow. You see, that statement, I am who I am, what does it really mean? You know, it it implies that God's nature is unchanging and constant, right? God never changes. His character stays the same, and you can count on that. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is faithful to his promises and will always be true to his character. He will always be true to who he is. This gives us confidence that we can trust in God. This gives us confidence that we can truly rely on him no matter what happens in our lives. So God being the Alpha and the Omega means that one, he is self-existent. And two, that he is self-sufficient. God is self-sufficient. That means that he doesn't need anything from us. Uh, There is nothing that we could ever do for God or give God that can make him bigger, that can make him better, that can make him stronger, that can make him smarter, or that can make him richer. Some would say that he doesn't even need help with his math homework. He has everything he needs, and he is worshipped 24-7 by angels surrounding his throne in heaven, and he knows everything, therefore he is omniscient, right? And even though you may think he does, he does not need our input. And a lie that the enemy would have you believe is that if God is self-sufficient, then it doesn't matter what I do. I can live my life however I please. If God is self-sufficient, that means that my actions and my efforts and what I do are meaningless. You know, some people would see it that they can't contribute anything to the kingdom of God or they can't contribute anything to God. And the enemy doesn't want you to worship and to serve God. It won't matter, he says. God doesn't need me to do his will. So why bother is what the enemy would have us believe. And this is the attitude that Satan wants us to have. You know, that God doesn't need me. You know, he God will be God. He doesn't need me. It won't, I I can't make a difference. I won't make a difference, you know. Uh, You know, God will use someone else, someone better, you know. Uh, I'm not good enough to be used by God. Those are some of the lies that the enemy would have us believe. And we see that Moses felt the same way in Exodus chapter 3. We see that God called him to confront Pharaoh and rescue his people and lead them out from captivity. We see in Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, it says, but Moses protested to God. He protested God, right? You're like, wow, he protested God, but there are, I myself included have protested God, right? If you've protested God before, raise your hand. You online, if you've protested God, well, don't put yourself on blast, but, uh, but he protested a God who was speaking to him through a burning bush, right? He, he protested a God who had him take his shoes off for the ground that he was standing on was holy. And he said, he protested and said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? He said, who am I to lead the people 
the people of Israel out of Egypt. And we see, if you continue to read that story, we see that God did an amazing thing through Moses, right? God did several amazing things. He used Moses to lead his people out from captivity. But we see where where Moses stood at that crossroad, where he protested to God and began to question him. Knowing that God doesn't need anything from us means that we can have peace, and it means that we can focus on serving him out of delight. You don't have to earn his favor. You don't have to earn that forgiveness that you might feel like you're working so hard towards, or you don't have to earn your salvation. I know that there's so many of us in here today that have been taught that you have to earn that salvation. Acts 17, 24 through 25 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So we see here in the book of Acts that God doesn't need anything from us, right? But he gives us everything we need, amen? God doesn't call us to serve him because he needs something from us. No, it's because he loves us. It's because he knows that when we begin to serve him, it does something so special inside of us. And the same thing goes for worship. You know, when we, when we begin to worship God, there's something special that happens inside of our hearts. Yes, he is worshiped 24-7 by angels, but we see in history when God's people began to worship false idols and other things that they shouldn't have been worshiping. It led them to death and to destruction. But when we worship God, it's something, it does something so special to us and it changes our lives. God wants to partner with us. He has chosen to work through us. He is using us as vessels for his kingdom. Working in the will of God leads us to the greatest sense of fulfillment that we can ever experience. Amen. Through his love, he chooses to work in us and through us. Because of this, we can serve God, not out of duty, but out of delight. And oh, what an honor. And oh, what a privilege that God would want to use me. And what an honor and what a privilege that God would want to use my life to make a difference in the world around me. You know, we have an opportunity here at Life Church. We have an event here that we call Discover Life. And here at Discover Life, we want to help you discover and identify those gifts that you have. You know, we want to help you identify and discover what God has put inside of you. You know, we don't need you to join the Life Family. We want you to join the Life Family. You know, we want you to be involved with what God is doing in the world, what God is doing in the world and for his kingdom through the local church. I'm so thankful that God has placed us here in the community of League City. You know, there's so many faces that I've, new faces that I've seen today. Uh, we've had a couple friends that I've, that, man, it was so beautiful walking in this morning and seeing all those green life kids shirts. That's been something that we've been praying 
praying about for the longest time and just to see the crowd of green shirts, the multitude of green shirts walk in just made my heart overflow with joy. So we want you to be involved with what God is doing here. He doesn't need you to accomplish his will. That's, that is true, but he chose you to accomplish his will. And oh, what an honor that is. I'm so thankful. Our life family culture is, or our, our, our culture here at Life Church is to love God, it is to love people, it is to pursue excellence, and it is to choose joy. We can find in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are not like that, and this scripture isn't going to be up there, it says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. He chose us. You are royal priests, you are a holy nation, and you are God's very own I'm going to add this word in myself, prized possession. As a result, and this is what you can do because of that, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Amen. I'm so thankful that God has taken me from a place of darkness and into his incredible light. And now we can be a testimony to others who need to experience the love of God. So God is the Alpha and Omega. And we know that he is one self-existent, right? That means that nothing created him, and he doesn't require anything to continue existing. Two, he is self-sufficient. There is nothing you could ever give him that he needs from you. And the third thing is that God is eternal. That means that he always has been and he always will be. And, and I know as human beings, it's, it's nearly impossible for us to be able to even begin to fathom eternity. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing in my mind because yesterday I was kind of going over my notes and I was studying at a coffee shop and here I am with my, my, my measly notes and I look over and this genius of a man is reading a book on deep space propulsion. I don't even know what that means, but I just felt <laughs> inferior sitting next to him. And to make matters even worse, he pulled out a fountain pen and started taking notes. But that's just to show you that, you know, us as humans, you know, it, it's just so hard for us to even imagine something like that, right? Eternity, what does that look like? You know, there's a theologian by the name of Charles Hodge, and he tried to describe God and eternity as best as he could. And I'm going to read that quote for you. It says, with God, there was no distinction between the present the past, and the future. But all things are equally and always present to him. With him, duration is an, an eternal now. Now, I had to read that a couple of times before I could understand it. And if that went right over your head, well, let's go into the Bible and see what Ecclesiastes 3.11 says. And that's not going to be up there either, but if you'd like to write that down on your notes, Ecclesiastes 3.11 and that says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom, even though he has set eternity in our hearts, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's almost as if God has given us a homesickness for a place that we've never even been to, right? How many of you have ever longed to just be in heaven like, oh, Lord, I want to be in your presence so 
You know, I, I want to be in your presence right now, Lord, just worshiping you, worshiping you and being in your presence because we are also, because we are only human, we can only think of time as moments, right? When we try to think of something, it's only a moment of time that it's almost like a picture in our minds, right? Oh, I remember when this, and I remember when that, and that's because we are made that way. We see things in moments, but because he is eternal, he knows the end from the beginning. This God who knows the end from the, begiven, from the beginning has given us free will. And he has given us the ability to choose how we live our lives. And that's why he has given us the Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, to lead us and to guide us and to help us make those decisions that will keep us from sin and that will keep us from destruction. And yes, even though he gave us, even though he knows the outcome of what our decisions will be, he still, that free will is still ours. And he knows that even though he, even though many people won't choose him or many of us will, will stray or many people will stray away from him, he has still given us that free will. I know embracing the truth that God is eternal can be a challenge when we are confronted with evil and, we, and when we are confronted with injustice in our world and the times that we are living in now. So if God is eternal and all-knowing, and I know this is, these are some questions that we may ask ourselves, why would he create the world when it would be filled with so much pain and when it would be filled with so much suffering? You know, the enemy tries to lie about God. The tr enemy tries to have us believe these lies. You know, like, if God allows certain things to happen, well, then that means, I guess that just means he's not good. Right? He, if he has allowed injustice in our world, I guess that means he's not righteous. He's not the righteous God that we think he is, is what the enemy would have us believe. The enemy would have us doubt God's goodness and, 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 and he would try to get our focus off the Alpha and the Omega and on our temporary problems or the current state of the world. You know, I think of myself, you know, me being a dad, you know, as a parent, you know, my wife and I, and we have little girls and I tell stories about them all the time. You know, Nora and Eleanor, they are amazing and I'm so thankful for them. But I think of myself as, as a parent, and I know many of you who are parents as well, you know, you think and you say, I wouldn't want my kid or I wouldn't want my children to endure a, a, a life of trouble. I wouldn't want them to endure a, a, pain, a life of pain or a life of difficult circumstances. You know, that's why we, we work so hard to provide and we work so hard to protect. And, and I am certainly not God by no means. And, and, I, and I'm not able to remove those problems that are going to come their way, right? But, you know, we live in a fallen world full of fallen people. And we have a choice as, as individuals, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as parents, to lead not only ourselves, but them as well to the only solution to those troubles and those problems. And that is Jesus Christ. That is the name of Jesus. You know, he himself, yes, he himself said that we would experience trials in this world. But he also said, take heart. For he has overcome. What exactly does that make? Take heart. And, and how exactly do we take heart? We're going to go to Hebrews 12, 2. And it says, and that I believe that will be up on the screen. It says, we do this 
by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. God knows about pain. God knows about suffering. And God knows about injustice. You know, Jesus himself endured a worse injustice than any of us could ever imagine or could ever experience in our lifetimes. And he did it willingly because he knew what awaited him on the other side of that pain, and that was joy. He was able to trust that on the other side of that, there was a great joy that awaited him. John three sixteen, and we probably all know this one, but it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You know, in the middle of a chaotic world, where things like war, where things like sickness and crisis and anxiety, you know, it is necessary to put your faith in the eternal God who has extended his everlasting love and mercy to you. We need to trust that God works all things out for your good if you believe and if you trust in him. Even in the middle of difficult circumstances, remember that God, he is eternal. Remember that God is faithful and remember that God will never leave you or forsake you. If you can, please stand with me and I'd like to ask the worship team and the prayer team to come up here as well. You know, sometimes we question God's timing. Right? How many of you have ever been in a situation where you needed God right away? Or you were like, God, where are you? I need you to show up right now. I need you to show up right now, God. I'm desperate. I need you now more than ever. And we begin to question that timing, right? We begin to question when he will show up or when that prayer will be answered. You know, when the world around us starts to get crazy, we, we ask, when, and that's and that's our personal world too sometimes. We ask, when is Jesus coming back? And a world that is full of affliction, when a world that is full of, 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 of hunger and, and, and angst, you know, sometimes we ask, when is Jesus coming back? Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he isn't. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And I believe that there is someone here today that needs to make that decision, that needs to make that decision to surrender to Jesus, to turn away from the things that are destroying you, to turn away from the things that are causing loneliness, that are bringing depression upon you, that are making you angry, and it's time to surrender to Jesus, and it's time to commit your life to Christ. Jesus is returning soon, I can promise you that. And I know some of us, some of those uh, of you who are in here today have probably heard that from when you were my age, that Jesus is coming soon. But I can tell you that he is returning soon. Revelations 22 says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done.
I and the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Today you have the opportunity to repent. Today you have the opportunity to follow him. Today you have the opportunity to make, I know my wife mentioned it, today's Baptism Sunday. You have the opportunity to make a public declaration of your faith by being baptized into the body of Christ. Today you have the opportunity to turn to Jesus who is the only way of eternal life. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning and the end and his name is a strong tower for us. Trust in him. Trust in his plan for your life and I can promise you that you will find peace. I can promise you that you will find joy. And, 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 and may, it may not be a peace that you quite understand yet, you know, but the joy is on the other side. The joy that awaits you is on the other side. So I, I just want to encourage you right now to keep pressing, keep moving forward. And right now, I'd like to ask the congregation to bow your heads. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, with no one looking around, Who here is ready to, to repent today and, and, and ready to, to surrender to Jesus today? If today you are making a decision to commit your life to Christ, or if today you are making a decision to renew that commitment to Christ, if you can, please raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to pray over you. And, and after I pray, the worship team is up here. And, 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 and I encourage you, if you need prayer, to come up and pray with our prayer team. They are, they are well equipped for this moment. And after I pray for you, again, I encourage you to come up for prayer. Our worship team is going to lead us into another song. But with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to pray over you. God, we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, we thank you that you are the beginning and the end. And we thank you, Lord, that even while we were still sinners, you loved us. Your love, oh God, is perfect and it is unconditional. And there may be some in here today that feel like they need to strive or like they need to work for God's love. But the word says, if we repent and we receive him by faith, you know, Jesus will be our one and only savior. He paid it all so that we don't have to. Jesus, you alone know our hearts. Lord, we are in need of a savior and only you will do Jesus. Lord, so we ask God that you would forgive us of our sins. Lord, we ask God that you would, would cleanse us and make us white as snow. We trust you, Lord, to do it. Our heart, God, is yours. And we choose right now to begin living for you like never before. Lord, we know that we can't do that without your help. So, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you help us to lean on your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.